What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Wednesday, so time to talk about my favorite players to trade for this week. A little bit later upload again today since the rest of season rankings and trade calculator have taken so much time to get up and running this week, but they're officially live. So if you have any questions about my exact uh, evaluation on players long-term, who you might have to give up to trade for them, uh, what my take is on your specific trade. You can always see my answer to that by looking at the rest of season rankings and the trade calculator on my website, thefansfootballadvice.com. So with that, who are some players I'd be trading for this week? We will start off by talking about the most requested player to break down, and that is Kyle Pitts. What are we doing with Kyle Pitts? Are we even trading for him? Pitts has a 17% target share this season compared to a 34.5% target share for Drake London. Drake London is proving to be their top target, the guy they want to go to the most. And so while Pitts is easily the second most used player on offense, at least in terms of the passing game, it's still, you know, a pretty big gap between him and London. Then the coach comes out and says, quote, it's not fantasy football. We're just trying to win. But the thing is, uh, perhaps if you are, in fact, trying to win, then you should use, you know, the person you drafted fourth overall the previous season coming off the greatest rookie season we've ever seen for a tight end that might help you win. And given that you're currently 0-2, you can't exactly argue that the current plan has been overly successful. So I can't really imagine that this lack of targets continues for that much longer. And I do think that the team is going to correct their mistake and they're going to give Pitts more targets. I think this week they scheme him more looks. We kind of start with Allen Robinson. It's a little bit of a different situation, but with Robinson, like they go through week one, they get destroyed. They couldn't really move the ball on offense. And they they at least acknowledge, you know, they're like, yeah, this this was wrong of us. We should have gotten more involved. And they made a conscious effort to get him more touches. Now, he didn't go off, but you could tell that they were trying to get him involved, tried to get him that touchdown, like they tried to use him. I think a similar thing is at least going to happen this week with Pitts. I think they at least know that, oh, it's clearly not, you know, working to this point. Um, and they have like such a you know an elite talent. Maybe they should throw him the football like I think they're going to realize that and they're going to scheme him more looks this week so if you know you didn't draft a top five tight end and you're not super pumped like maybe some of you didn't draft top five tight end you grabbed Gerald Everett you got like a Tyler Higby and you're like you know I feel pretty solid about this that's totally fine you don't need to trade for a tight end use them but if you didn't draft top five and you also didn't hit late because it's not easy to hit late in the draft at tight end, then I think Pitts is the one that I'd be looking to trade for. I believe it's two receptions for 19 yards in both weeks, like around 10 targets on the season. So not very good stat lines. The person that drafted him is absolutely fed up with how he's produced so far. And so you can definitely acquire him for lesser value than it took to get him originally. And I still think rest of the season, he's a top five tight end. Other names that I mentioned last week, but I think are still by lows, are Alan Lazard and Damian Pierce. Lazard returned last week. He did score the touchdown, but he only had the two receptions, three targets, 13 yards, so it's not like he went off, right? If he had gone off, we would have never been able to still trade for him. Uh, he got a little bit banged up at one point, but came back on the field. I uh, played 81% of the snaps. Unless he suffers a setback, we should assume he's just good to go moving forward. 
Now, the Packers only threw the ball 25 times last week as, you know, it was pretty easy for them to take down the Bears. They are a team that can be a little bit risky on offense when this sort of thing happens, when they have a game, especially at home, easy opponent, able to get up early, lean on the running backs, drain the clock. Like, that's going to happen. So you got to realize that when you have Packers players that this can happen. Um, they're going to have like some very low volume games. So even if they're scoring, you know, into the mid to upper 20s, you know, they can be highly efficient, not have too much volume. So that's a risk. Um, but they're not going to be facing, you know, the Bears every week. That's an offense that has not proven to be very good so far this season and is a team that they could very easily beat at home. And so that's not going to happen every week. They're going to be in more competitive games on average. And also, you know, Rodgers has a level of trust in Lazard that he just doesn't have with his other wide receivers. Uh, you can really see how frustrated he is when he looks to Watson, uh, looks for Dobbs. Like, he looks at these players and they're just like, clearly in the spot that he didn't think they were going to be in. Uh, you can just see the look of frustration on his face. And then we know that Sammy Watkins, we know that Randall Cobb, they'll have roles, but they're, they're just not, you know, elite players. Like, they're just not at this point of their respective careers. Lazard is their best bet. And he's the guy that Rodgers likes the most, trusts the most. He's the most talented, at least like right now. I think maybe long-term, some of these rookies can pass him. But he's going to be good. So I think rest of the season, he's like a low-end wide receiver too. Maybe some of you play in the flex. Uh, really good player to do like a two-for-one trade for. If you can do like two slightly lower-valued players for him to get a little bit of an upgrade that also gives you someone you can add off free agency, I think that's a good move because you know someone's drafted him in probably like the 8th, ninth, 10th round. Missed week one, two catches week two. You know, they might not be valuing him super high. Then we have Damian Pierce, who again, we talked about last week. Um, we were, you know, pretty right with what happened last week. I mentioned that, you know, the slow start wasn't shocking, but that it wasn't really going to continue. He was never going to be used behind Rex Burkhead for very long. And so we saw him take over the backfield last week, but it was at Denver. That's a really difficult spot, especially when you're the Houston Texans. So we thought, you know, week three would probably be the time where we're trading for him to kind of lower end performances, but is clearly taken over at this point. Comes out of that game. You know, he didn't have like a bad game. I mean, 15 carries, 69 yards, a reception for eight more yards, more than doubling his snap percentage from week one to week two. And the real big thing is he out carries Burkhead 15 to nothing. And he also is the only running back to register carries. It wasn't like they brought someone else in to also get those carries. Now, he's not a feature back yet, and I'm not sure he's ever going to be. I don't think he's ever going to be a high target player. But as you increase the snap share, he's just going to get random targets. So he's never going to be like, oh, look, Damian Pierce is getting 16, 17 carries along with like five targets every week. You know, that'd be like running back one production. It's it's just not going to happen. I think Burkhead's still going to mix in. But we just saw him out touch to Burkhead 16 to 3. And if he's going to be on the field, you know, 70% of snaps, getting all the running back touches, all the goal line work, occasional targets in the passing game, he's going to be valuable. And if we look at his upcoming schedule, he's got at Bears versus the Chargers, not super easy there, but then at the Jaguars. So Bears and Jaguars in two of the next three games, if he keeps dominating the running back volume and he gets all the goal line, He's going to have a good game, maybe two good games in the next three. And then given the preseason hype, if he has two good games early and people see he's getting all the running back touches, 
you're not going to be able to trade for him. So I think right now is probably the best spot you have to trade for him. As things stand, he's been running back 24 rest of season. So like a low end running back too. I would also trade for his teammate, Brandon Cook. So we're just going all in on the Texans right now. Um, but it's just a good spot to trade for Cooks. I'm not thinking he's going to be you know, wide receiver one, but he currently ranks 39th in half PPR scoring, but is tied for ninth overall in targets with 11 per game. He's seeing the type of volume we thought that he would see. The problem is, through two weeks, Houston's only scored two touchdowns, and both went to O.J. Howard in week one. Uh, and Cooks has also only brought in 50% of his targets on the season. That's obviously too low. Even horrendous players are higher than 50%. And we know for a fact that Brandon Cooks is not a horrendous player. He's very, very good. Um, he's been at 68%, 67% in these last two years with Houston. Like He's going to be around that range. Maybe in a bad year, it comes a little bit below. But like he's a good player. That's going to go higher. So on average... He's just underperforming right now, but given the level of targets, given that they're not going to score one touchdown per game, given that he's not going to catch 50% of his targets, like he's going to be a lot better than he's been so far. And then, like I said, he's got Bears, he's got Jaguars into the next three weeks. I think he can have a blow-up game over this next month. And once that happens, people see a blow-up game with you know double-digit targets every single week, you're not going to be able to get him. So he's underperforming right now. Same thing with Pierce. Don't get them after, or don't try to trade for them after they blow up. You're not going to get them. Try and trade for them now. If you want to trade, but you don't want to trade for Houston Texan, you just can't wrap your mind around that, I get that. How about Dalvin Cook? Now, not going to be easy to get him, obviously, but if you're in the market for a running back one, you want an upgrade at running back, you're willing to give up you know, significant capital to get him, well, he's running back 28 right now, and he's coming off a brutal, 36 yards on 10 touches last week in a game where the Vikings got embarrassed on offense. But it's actually been, you know, a little bit strange uh, how the Vikings have started off this season. Cook looked great in week one, but the offense was ultra efficient through the air and then Green Bay couldn't keep up and we're also playing slow and so it just kind of limited the offense overall led to 61 plays for the Vikings zero rushing touchdowns moving to last week and they were just forcing the ball through the air then they got down really quickly we had Kirk Cousins playing in prime time not exactly his forte and so it only led to 59 total plays 46 pass attempts eight total carries by running backs. So the Vikings now rank 23rd in plays, 28th in carries, and have scored zero rushing touchdowns. That's why the box scores don't look very good for Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. But that's not going to continue, and Cook does have the fifth highest percent of team carries among all running backs, or I guess all players, because you're not going to have a wide receiver rank higher than that, and he's going to have a blow-up game Soon might very well come this week in a super high total game at home against a Lions team that he's averaged over 100 rushing yards and a touchdown per game in his six career matchups against them. The Vikings are going to bounce back this week. The Vikings are not going to slow them. That's going to be a very fun game to watch. I think Dalvin Cook could explode. Another running back you could trade for is Javonta Williams. I'm sure people that took him are... Probably more frustrating, honestly, than they like should be. Like he had a good week one from like having a billion receptions, and then he had the 75 rushing yards last week. It's just that I think everyone's surprised 
that the Broncos offense has been so bad. They ranked 24th with just 16 points per game, I believe scoring exactly 16 in each week. And they've just looked lost, you know, even against mediocre teams. I think that's the thing that's going to worry a lot of people. But here's why Williams is so valuable. He's 15th right now in half PPR scoring despite zero touchdowns and only 11 carries per game. The only other top 15 running back with no touchdowns is Joe Mixon, and he's got 56 touches compared to 34 for Williams. So he's gotten there off significantly higher volume. Williams is just an incredibly efficient running back. He's so efficient no matter how you get him the ball, and he's game script proofed. And those are the running backs we want to trade for. There is no game script where Javonta Williams produces poorly unless it's like, I don't know, like the the offense scores zero points. Like obviously, if they can't move the ball at all, he's not going to perform well because they have no yards, no touchdowns. But in terms of game script, whether they get up or they fall behind, he's going to be used. When they get up, he's going to be getting a ton of carries. He's going to be efficient with those carries, and they're up, so he's got a good chance of scoring a touchdown. When they fall behind, which they can do in some of these really competitive divisional games, well, we saw in week one, he could have 10 receptions, right? He's their go-to in the receiving game. He's out-targeted Gordon 16-3 to on the season. And so when this Denver offense starts to click, which to be honest, there's no guarantee that they're going to. You just have to think, given the playmakers they have, given the talent they have on offense, they're not going to look this bad all season. And when they start to click, easily going to be a running back one because they've looked awful and he's not getting that many touches and hasn't scored and he still produces high end too. So when they start to do well, he's going to be really valuable. People are going to be, you know, a little bit annoyed they didn't trade or buy low on him early in the season. So he's my running back eight rest of season. And I do feel really good ranking him that high. Final player I trade for this week is Chris Olave. And I wasn't going to talk about him. I was just going to put him on uh, like the, the trade chart on the website and then someone asked, you know, why is he ranked so high for the season? So I figured, you know, when, whenever one person asks a question, I know plenty of other people are thinking the same thing. So I figured I'd go over him now. But if we remember back into the offseason, you know, we had talked a lot about how much the Saints gave up to acquire Olave. Like, they gave up a lot to move up in the draft to get him. People are making fun of what they gave up to get him because it was a lot. You know, it was a lot they gave up. But we knew that signaled the team really, really liked him. Now, we knew he'd get the targets. I personally did not think it would come this quickly. I thought it made sense. The three receptions on three targets, I think for 43 yards, uh, and I believe the touchdown in week one. But I thought he'd like slowly ramp up from there, maybe get a few more targets each week, you know, kind of build into like seven, eight targets uh, a game. But he comes out in week two, you know, and he commands 13 targets, which was fifth among all players last season but the appealing part was these weren't targets really close to the line of scrimmage so you look at someone like jacoby myers who also had a really good game really great usage like i was very excited with how they used myers last week but myers had an a dot of 8.8 yards 115 total air yards which is totally fine but like understand that that means like he was getting the ball around eight nine yards downfield each play olave's depth of target on those same 13 targets a dot 20 5.7 yards downfield, 334 air yards. Now, I know air yards is not a perfect stat. There's a lot of things wrong with it. A lot of times you can get like really bad players getting a ton of air yards downfield, and you're like, oh, they're going to hit eventually. It's like, well, no, they're just a deep threat. They're just not that great. 
but we know Olave is a great talent. We know the team wants to keep using him, and we know the downfield work's going to continue, right? Because they have Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. They're not sending those guys deep downfield every play. And I just want you to like throw out the word air yards. If it triggers you, like just understand that he had 13 targets on an average that came more than 25 yards downfield. That is insane usage. It creates super high upside in fantasy. And when it's tethered to Jameis Winston, someone who's you know supported multiple very high-end fantasy producers in the past at wide receiver and has been known for being aggressive deep downfield, it's just like a perfect pairing and you just have to figure he's going nuclear soon. And now he didn't last week. He easily could have had, you know, like, like you know, I don't want to say easily could have had 150 receiving yards, but like given that level of volume, he could have had seven, eight receptions for like 150 and a score, like relatively easily. If that happens, you're just never getting him for the rest of the season. He has the five for 80. He's had two good games, hasn't blown up yet. I think that's coming. I think you want to get him before that happens. That's why he grades out as a top 25 wide receiver for me rest of the season. Some players that I'm not super excited about long-term. I I don't think, like I talked about last week, I don't think you're ever just like, oh, X player had a good game. They've been performing well. Have to sell them, right? I pretty much never want to do that. It's just if you have the players I'm going to mention now and you want to do a trade for someone, They're players I'm willing to get rid of because I don't love their value long-term. So the list is Zach Ertz, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, Antonio Gibson, Cordero Patterson, and Tony Pollard. Just not in love with the potential for them rest of season. Ertz, we just know more playmakers are coming. We know he's not efficient. We know that like right now he's getting targets because they have no one. When those players come in, those are going away. McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Dotson, they're just taking more work than we thought they would. Even in monster games for Wentz, McLaurin's not doing that fantastic. Don't love that long term. Marquise Brown, honestly not getting the target share that I think people thought he was going to get, even with Rondell Moore and Hopkins out. That's not you know super appealing long term. Gibson, we know Brian Robinson's returning. Don't love that. Cordero Patterson, we just know that... To close the season, it's unlikely they're going to continue featuring him so he can get touches early. That's what we figure would happen. But as the season goes on, it's likely those touches will dwindle. So you kind of want to sell high there. And then Tony Pollard coming off the great game. Just don't love investing in the running back situation there if it's going to be like a pure split because he's not going to be the one they lean on at the goal line. It's not an offensive line that it used to be. Um, we don't really know when Dak's going to be returning. And so it's just like a lot of question marks when you think about the upside. It's there, but sometimes it's a little bit overstated given the odds that, you know, Zeke suffers like a season-ending injury. So those players don't love them long-term. If you can trade them away, I'd be fine doing that. So that'll do it for the week three trade targets video. I've got a larger list of players you can trade for on my website, thefencefootballadvice.com. And I also ordered that by my preference in trading for those players. And remember, I have the rest of the season rankings and the trade calculator now live on the website. So use those two if you have any questions about trades. If you want to know my thoughts, those are my thoughts. It's on the website. I'll be back tomorrow with running back starts and sits. Friday, with wide receiver starts sits Saturday to go over my favorite plays in week three. 
That, my friends, is the end of this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.